you at, at home. It's good to see you all. And, and I want to say it's really good to see Jim Hill. Jim, um, you are still and will be in our prayers and, and love and the, the loss, what, going on three weeks, I guess, of your dear Barb. And, but it's wonderful to have you with us today. I'd like to invite Sandy Green, if she would, to come up. Sandy is a member of our leadership team. And a couple weeks ago, Sandy, Sandy, you can use that mic there. Uh, Sandy shared a story with the leadership team, and many perhaps have heard this, but a story of how God's been at work. And I think we'll all be encouraged by hearing uh, what she has to say. Thank you, Sandy. I'm up here to proclaim God's mercy, his grace, his providence, his sovereignty, his faithfulness, and most of all, his glory. Three weeks ago, on Tuesday, Jesse had a seizure. Jesse's my daughter, Skylar's mommy. And you've known Skylar since birth around here. Her seizure was caused because she couldn't complete her dialysis treatments for almost a week. Blood or fluid built up on her brain. Uh, she has an autoimmune disease that is attacking her kidneys. They're only working at most 10% right now. Yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, Tuesday, she had the seizure. Tuesday night, she was complaining she hated the hospital and wanted to come home. But by Thursday, she was looking at her hands like a newborn infant and didn't know what they were. Didn't know how to move them. At that point, I called Doris, had the prayer warriors hit their knees and storm heaven. Well, that worked. Dakota decided that I was the one that could be at the hospital on Friday. Uh, COVID rules only allow one person in the hospital in a 24-hour period for visiting. Mama Bear was going nuts on Thursday. I get in the hospital room on Friday. She's laughing at her doctors in a way that you laugh when you have no clue what's going on, and you're scared to death. After the doctors left off their rounds, before any additional treatment had taken place, I turned on Caleb in, in the room through my cell phone. She started to fall asleep, so I laid my hands on her, help her go to sleep and comfort her, and then I started praying. I told Jesus how much I loved her, but I knew he loved her more. Then I claimed the authority of Jesus over every cell of her body. I demanded that Satan leave the room because both her and I are sealed in the blood of Jesus. We are beloved children of the Most High God and that he had no authority over her or me. When she woke up, she was already better. Hour by hour, I watched her get better. Two o'clock that afternoon, they had given her more blood pressure medication and took her down to have a lumbar puncture, just to rule out more causes, but also to drain some of that fluid out of her spine to allow it to drain off her brain. By that night when I left, she was almost herself again. 
Saturday, she was even more. I got to take Skylar up to visit her outside the hospital. By Sunday, she was home. Yesterday, she was her normal self all over again. So God answers prayers. He does. But you have to claim that authority and you have to walk in that belief. And I'm, I'm here to say today, my daughter would not be alive without all of your prayer. So I thank you. I thank you greatly. Praise God and thank you, Sandy. Lord, we, we do give you all praise for your amazing love, for your authority over all evil. And we thank you for this instance, Lord, of stepping into, Lord, the love of a mom with uh, many, many people alongside her looking to your throne and and, and, and Lord, uh, giving this, this release, release from, from this, this serious, serious threat, threat for Jesse. Lord, Lord, we, we, we know, know that there's still needs, there's still a threat, but we, we, we praise you for this turnaround. And we, we ask, Lord, that, that uh, you continue to be at work, work to provide whatever it is Jesse needs, needs a, a, a new kidney, kidney, whatever, whatever way, way you choose, Lord, Lord to, to grant this. This daughter, this uh, young, young wife, wife and mother, uh, Lord, uh, the strength, the health to carry, to carry on with you. Uh, thank, thank you, Sandy, Sandy and the trust, trust you gave her to look to you. To you. And, and would you do, do the same, same for each of us and all of us together? And Lord, and Lord as, as we look, look at your word now, that, that, that it really is about this, this, this kind, kind of authority that you have in the midst of the battles of life. We ask that you speak to us. Speak, Speak through, through me or in spite of me, however, however you choose, choose Lord. Lord. Use your, your word by your spirit uh, to uh, engage us in the reality of who you are and what you want to do. do. And, we and we pray, pray this, this in your name and in the very presence of the risen Christ. Christ. Amen. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you again, Cindy. Cindy. Hey, hey, one, one more time, uh, we, we are, are going, going to let the Apostle Peter... Bring, bring us God's word today. today. So, so if you, if you have, have a Bible, look at First Peter chapter five. Would you? If there's, if there's one thing, thing that's, that's um, I've been trying, trying to say, say this fall with you, it's this that we all need, need to, to, to as honestly as possible face the threats around us, the good things around us, the the hard things, um, like the scary ordeal of having a daughter that's actually near death. But even more, as we do that, and, and Sandy, you're a great example of this, facing honestly what we're up against, but placing the focus not on what's hard, but placing the focus on the ultimate reality, which is God giving himself in uh, Jesus. And uh, so we're going to listen to one form that this facing and fo focusing takes place. So chapter 5, verse 7, take a look. And we'll go to the middle of verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to devour. Now, isn't, isn't that, that a happy, happy thought, thought going, going into this Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week? week? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it, 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 
it, it, it, it's, it's kind, kind of crazy, crazy because, because on, on the one hand, Peter says, hey, don't, don't worry, God's, God's got gotcha. you. And, and immediately he says, watch, watch out, you're, you're under attack. <laughs> so what, what, what are, are we supposed to be hearing? Well, mainly, mainly this, first, first to see and take in the truth of all truths, truth, that, that God, God does care. care. He, he does, does care, and Christ, Christ has rescued, rescued us. From the, the ultimate uh, threats that could ever come. come. And, and one, one day, one day, he will make all things well. That's, That's the good, good news. news. Uh, but but we also, we've got, got to see, we've got, got to face um, what, what it is that Christ, Christ res- rescues us from. from. We, we, we've, we've got, got to see that before his return, return all is, is not well. well. We, we've, we've got, got to see that, that um, he came into this world to fight and to overcome certain things. And, 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 and here's, here's the truth. You and I, every one of us, was born into a war. We were born into a kind of cosmic war. And if we're born again into a whole new life, a whole new destiny to simple faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we're not right up to the front lines. Whether, Whether we, we like, like it or not. not. We're, We're on, on the front, front lines with Jesus in, in this kind of uh, battle. And um, again, behind whatever struggles we have, and even in the midst of all the good stuff, uh, there's, there's, there's this. That your enemy, enemy the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, now who, who is this enemy called the devil? Well, here's, here's the picture that we get from, the, from Jesus and really the rest of Scripture. That it's, it's the that God, God created, besides human beings, beings and the rest of creation, he created uh, the, these non-material spiritual beings called angels. Uh, they're, not, they're not other gods. They're, they're just creatures. Uh, but they're given, according to Scripture, to, to guard humans and especially to be messengers. That's what the word angel means, messenger. Uh, but some of them rebelled, led by uh, one... Uh, a brilliant, glorious angel named Lucifer. Now, the term devil is not a name, it's a title. And it comes from the Greek word diabolos, and from the Hebrew word the Satan, the Satan. And it means uh, literally the prosecutor, and more specifically the accuser. And several examples, we don't have time to go into that in the Old Testament, but, but, but one who stands to prosecute, like in a courtroom, and in this case, uh, in rebellion, the accuser, the Satan, is, is one who's trying to do anything he can to disrupt whatever it is that God is trying to do. Now, Peter says that the devil is like a prowling Roaring, devouring lion, which, by the way, is biblical proof that cats are evil. Um, but I digress. I've just made a few enemies, a few of you at least. Gods, the dogs are holy, cats are not. But that's, anyway, back to the point. How does this enemy, and by the way, just on that digression, you can come right back at me and say, what about the lion of the tribe of Judah? So, anyway, I'll, I'd lose that little debate. Um, how does this enemy prowl, roar, and devour? Well, what he um, really devours 
ultimately is anything that God's trying to give, anything that God tries to do, especially God's gift of reconciliation through his son. He wants to prevent that at all costs so that no one sees their need and and responds to the invitation to open themselves to the mediator, Jesus. And if he can't do that, he'll do his very best to devour, to stifle any living out of whatever faith we have, any kind of living out of that faith and in, in hope and in, in love. And if he can't stop that, he'll stir up other people, other institutions to, to kind of get in the way, to misunderstand, to marginalize, to even to destroy the Christian movement, even to destroy Christ's followers. Now, you might say the roaring, the roaring is the primary way he does the devouring, and that's to deceive. He is the great liar. And so here's, here's what uh, scripturally you see the enemy doing for the most part. Uh, and, and that's to um, plant a lot of half-truths. They're, they're a little bit true, but they're not fully true. Half-truths where, where possibilities begin to turn into probabilities, begin to turn into, into certainties. And, and I tell you, one way he, he really is, works successfully at is to, is to harden these, these uh, seemingly absolutes into some hardened assumptions that uh, begin to control, without our even realizing, control our outlook and our decisions, our responses. And, and, and these possibilities become probabilities, become absolutes, uh, they, they distract us from the only absolute there is, which is God in Christ. And, and they, they then distort faith because we're looking to this or that as an ultimate truth instead of God. Rumors, gossip is, is a simple but destructive example of this. Gee, maybe... Maybe that person is doing such and such. Well, per, before you know it, you believe it's true. Um, conspiracy theories, whether it's come from the right or the left, is an example where the enemy gets in and turns possibilities into absolutes and they get destructive. Um, these assumptions get solidified then in cultures and in institutions. They become what the, what the New Testament calls principalities and powers. Uh, Paul talks about our struggles not against flesh and blood. It's, it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, but also, also against the, the powers and authorities of this world. And so it gets institutionalized in subtle ways, sometimes not so subtle ways, in, in various um, systemic kind of injustices. It's not, it's not so much that the people themselves are evil, but the whole system is it just ends up being unfair and, and downright evil. Many examples of that. Now, now, often these roars are fierce accusations against ourselves and or against others. So, for example, the evil one whispers into my ear, into your ear. I've experienced this. I, I find the evil one kind of saying, Look at yourself, Steve. Just look at yourself. How could you possibly be a loved child of God with all these, these sins, all these faults? And yeah, I do have those sins, but 
he's lying when he says, I can't be a child of God. But sometimes, sometimes uh, he kind of gets some sway there. Or, or if he doesn't succeed very well at that, or even if he does, he turns the accusations not only against yourself, but against others. Look at that jerk at work. What a problem he is. Or that group over there. What a threat. What a threat all, all those immigrants are. Uh, what, what, what a threat um, that political party is, whichever side it might be. And um, he, he, he kind of turns them into the object of our accusations. Now, sometimes, sometimes the roars are actually like, if, if, if it's a roar of a lion, it's kind of like a soft meow. It actually seems pretty good. <clears throat> what the evil one can do. He doesn't, he doesn't want to just make us miserable. He simply wants to separate us from Christ. And he'll do good stuff to do that. So he'll draw us into what seems good. Here's the trouble. It distracts us from less than the best, which is God and faith and hope and, and love and so on. If we're doing pretty well without faith, hope, and love, that's, he says, that's fine. Go ahead and have a great life. Sometimes that's what the meows of the roars uh, kind of look like. And then there's the prowling. Um, I'd say that's the enemy's effort to look around and exploit anything in our lives for his purpose, purposes of distracting and, um, and distancing us from anything that God's trying to do. And I'll tell you what, it's relentless. So what do we do? Well, Peter tells us in verse 9. He says, be alert with sober mind. Be alert to the ultimate battle we're in, the, the ultimate enemy that we have. And then resist. How do we resist? By standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith. You see, we, we face the enemy. We've got to realize he's at work. He's real. But where do we put the focus? Not on him. Not on powers of evil. We face the enemy, but we put the focus on the winner of the war. We put the focus on Christ. It's kind of like when you drive. When you drive, you've got to use the rearview mirrors, right? It's really important that you use those things. And uh, because if you don't pay attention to them to see what's behind you and what's around you, you know, you're going to get into trouble. And you need to heed that warning on, on at least one of your mirrors, right? That objects are closer than they appear. And in terms of using this as an analogy for spiritual battle, sometimes objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Um, the enemy's brilliant at convincing us that he's not real or that he's not doing anything. But he's there. He's, he's at work. Um, but as you drive, where do you keep your eyes? I really hope you all know this, especially if I'm drawing close to you. Do you keep your eyes on the rearview mirrors the whole time? If so, you're going to crash. You're going to be in big, big trouble. No, you keep, you keep your eyes on the road, right? You keep your eyes on the road uh, of what's ahead. And here's some good news. In the road of following Jesus, where we fix our eyes on him, following him, 
Well, then um, objects in the rearview mirror appear to be losing, including the evil one. And not just appear, they are losing, despite what might, it might seem. Here's what I find. Um, as I ask the Father to fill me with his, his spirit and to, and to, Lord, get my eyes on Jesus. Get my focus on him. Get my trust on him to trust you, to trust the Holy Spirit. Well, it helps me be alert to um, what the enemy's doing without getting anxious about it or without uh, being driven to fight on my own as if I could do it on my own. It helps me to, to, to spot the prowling. It helps me to, um, to hear those, those roars that sometimes are really disguised as, as, as soft little meows. Uh, a focus on Jesus helps me to um, realize where truth is getting distorted, where love is getting blocked. And in my various struggles, you have them, I have them, in my various struggles, a focus on Jesus winning the war helps me to remember who is the enemy and who is not the enemy. As the Apostle Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against these powers of the world and the powers of, uh, of Satan. And so I get reminders that, that somebody in the family might be disruptive, but they're not the enemy. Um, some critic might be a real pain, but he's not the enemy. A certain political party or leader might seem to be a serious problem. But they're not the enemy. Now, the enemy is the enemy. And I'll tell you what else a focus on Jesus does. It reminds me that, that we're in a big family of fellow believers. And so Peter goes on to say, resist him standing from the faith because you know, and this is important to know, that the family of believers throughout the whole world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. It really helps me to remember that when I'm going through struggles of any kind at all, it just really helps to know I'm not alone. That the other people going through the same sorts of struggles I'm in, they, we, we can share the load with each other. And one thing the Lord does too is to connect us with brothers and sisters in struggles who are not different from us whose struggles might be so much worse than ours, spiritually, physically, in all, all kinds of ways. You know, the very first time I was, uh, my wife and I were privileged to be in Africa was, we, we spent, uh, it was three weeks in Kenya, but we spent one week in Ethiopia before that. And uh, we went there partly because we had the huge honor of participating in had an Ethiopian friend, Sam, and he asked us if, if I could help officiate at his wedding, which lasted actually three days. <laughs> That's another story. Uh, but uh, it was a great honor to be there. But also he, he set us up with some brand new believers who had no exposure to missionaries at all. But you know what? Somebody gave them a Bible. They started reading it and they came to Christ. And, 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 and so I was just privileged to kind of try to encourage them through an interpreter but anyway, we spent a week there. But along the way, um, I, I learned 
more about Ethiopia and about the body of Christ there, and, and you may know this, but how they went through long seasons of uh, difficulty and persecution. And so Sam, our friend on the far uh, left, and then his dad, his parents are there just to the right. His dad had been a pastor while running a business for years, and especially in the 1970s, he was hit from three directions as both a pastor and just simply as a Christ follower. It was from the communist government in the 70s, it was pretty vicious. Also from Muslim extremists. And third, from tragically a, a kind of a stagnant but powerful um, Orthodox church in Ethiopia that was more about culture than it was about Christianity. And um, we heard awful stories of what the family endured during those years. But I met this man who'd been faithful, and you could just see the, the, the calm, the peace, the joy. Uh, the love of the Lord. And it was humbling. It was inspiring. It was so encouraging to, to move into my relatively small battles and keep the faith and persevere. So, you know, when I, when I just hang around people really of any kind, I, I find if I'm at all open, I get encouraged. I get encouraged, you know, by, by Sandy today. Just in her faithfulness as a mom looking to Jesus over and against uh, the enemy. And uh, one, one thing, if I pursue connections with fellow believers who are different and struggles are even worse, other parts of the world, it does remind me, too, that, that while I'm really, really grateful to be an American with all the blessings we have and all the comforts I have, it's not like I'm entitled to it. It's not like this is sort of a given as if this is what it means to be a Christian, to be an American. They're, they're two separate things, right? And to remember that the kingdom of God is much bigger and, and there are struggles going on that make ours look really small. And it just, again, humbles and inspires me. And, and as I hang out with people like this that have really been in the thick of the battle on the front line, it just, it just re, reminds me that, yeah, the roars of the enemy are there, and I hear them all the more, but they're just less of a threat. Because I see God takes people through it, and he can take me and us through it. You know, in, in a week, um, in just a week, as Nathan mentioned, we're going to enter Advent, you know, the season of Advent. The word means coming. We're talking about God's coming into this world. And the typical scene that we, we think of is this, this really sweet, serene family, you know, the mama with her sweet little baby boy. There's a lot of validity in that, but you know, don't you, that when Jesus was born, he was born smack dab into the middle of a war, right? I mean, you just, you just think that, that um, well, he's born and he immediately is under the threat of this evil, evil King Herod who ends up slaughtering all the baby boys in Bethlehem. And only because of God providing a dream to Joseph do they escape, and, and for a few years, the family of Jesus, they become refugees in Egypt. And uh, John says, the Apostle John says, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. It's the primary reason he came, one of the main reasons. And 
you know, I, I didn't kind of catch this for many, many years. I'd read Revelation, but did, which, which you know, is a, let's face it, kind of a violent sort of part of the Bible, right? All the crazy visions of, of all the battle that goes on between God and the evil one. Do you realize the Christmas story is in Revelation? You have it in Matthew. You have it in, in Luke. You have the poetic version, a, a beautiful statement um, in John 1. But in Revelation 12, it's the woman giving birth to a child and this ferocious dragon who ends up being Satan is waiting to devour the child. Um, okay, Jesus was born into this. Uh, well, next week, Nathan's going to start us off in the Advent season by talking about, I uh, hope I'm getting this correct, but uh, from one of the Psalms, some of the deep yearnings for God that he plants in our hearts out of the promises, the ultimate promises that he will give himself and come to deliver. But you know where the very first promise of God's coming shows up? It shows up in the Garden of Eden. It shows up when the very first human beings have been deceived by Satan in the form of a serpent, and they're seduced into trying to live life apart from the life giver, which doesn't work well. And there the promise is given that God will, in the end, destroy this evil one. Uh, I, I found this, uh, it's, it's a Christmas card, it's a depiction of Eve broken by sin, being comforted by a pregnant Mary. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful symbol, right, of, of, of the fallen, broken sinner being comforted by the one who carries the hope of the world, literally carries the hope, which is Jesus. And uh, her son, Mary's son, will be the one who fulfills the prophetic judgment on Satan, where God says to the serpent, you will strike the heel of the woman's offspring, all her offspring, but in particular this one offspring, this one descendant, but he will crush your head. <laughs> Can we rejoice that Satan's already lost? Not yet destroyed. And he's at work. We're in the battles. But the war has been won. And in Jesus Christ, we are on the winning side. Now, one more thing. I don't need to tell you next week is Thanksgiving. And for a lot of us, it's not going to look like that. You know? I mean, nobody has masks on there. And they look a little too close. <laughs> so, now, I don't know how you're going to do Thanksgiving. I hope it's as normal as possible. But, you know, for a lot of us, it won't be normal. Uh, won't be as close. Maybe we won't be with people that we normally would be with. Um, I think, in a way, it'll be harder to feel thankful in this crazy, crazy, disruptive year. Um, but let me, let me give you some practical suggestions. One, one is to, despite that, to maybe all the more set aside time to express some gratitude for whatever gifts you've received. Look, look for what are the gifts that have come despite whatever and explicitly thank God. That's a way of doing spiritual battle, to be grateful, to express it. 
And, and, and then along the way to, to pray for those who are going through all the harder times, just like Peter says, those who are suffering around the world and in, lo, in close proximity. And, but then be sure, whether you're alone or with some friends and family, to, to make sure you get a focus on not just the gifts, but the giver. And the best gift of all, which is himself. And, and then to remember as you do that, um, that the risen Jesus has won the war, will destroy the powers of evil, and now he empowers us to resist. Just include on your thanksgiving that kind of grateful affirmation. Let's pray together, shall we? I'll just give you a moment of silence and let's, let's give thanks for gifts, for Christ, and for his victory over the evil one. And then would you join me in reading from the screen what Peter goes on to say? Please, please join me and affirm this. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.
Oh, we praise you. We praise you, Almighty God. It is so that one day, and even in the meantime, it is well. Because you reign, you're with us, and you go before us. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah, before we uh, go our various ways, I want to give particular thanks and have some prayer. The very first uh, contact that uh, I myself had with Grace Covenant Church when this possibility of my being with you for a while came up was with this man, Gabriel Gabriel Elkington. And immediately I came to see, here's a guy who has a deep, passionate love for Jesus and his kingdom, who loves Grace Covenant Church and all that uh, God is doing with it and through it and and, uh, for this body. And uh, Gabe is, is the chair of our leadership team, and uh, he announced to us Tuesday night that, uh, kind of sad news, that, that he and Kelly have accepted a new job in Hayden, Colorado. I didn't know where that was, but it's near Steamboat, uh, working there with Excel, and they really see this as a calling from God. And so I'm going to ask Gabriel and Kelly, if you and the kids would would come up, and uh, we're going to let, Gabriel has a few things he'd like to share, and and then uh, Jared Lahr, why don't you come up too, Jared? Jared will be succeeding. Gabe is the uh, chair of the the, uh, leadership team and also is a dear friend of the Elkintons. So I'll just get out of the way here and Gabe, did you want? Did you have a few things you wanted to share for the live stream people? I think it'd be important to use the mic. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Thanks. There we go. Um, I wanted to pray first. So, Heavenly Father, we approach you and we say thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Grace Covenant, and we thank you for what you established a long time ago when you put this church on this property long before us. Father, we're asking for your blessing over Grace Covenant and all the people who choose to worship you here as a family, as this part of the bride. Continue to give them success for your kingdom, to draw people in. Lord, I'm asking you in these turbulent times that the number grow exponentially for your glory. That as the world falls down apart around us, that your kingdom be raised up. Help every individual, Holy Spirit, to be edified with an unmeasurable spirit of joyfulness, of kindness, and of patience. All the other things that come from you, God, let them be exemplified into the community in which this church is set. Again, Lord, thank you for all of the time you've allowed us to serve, to be here. Thank you. Amen. Well, uh, I'm glad you guys don't have dry eyes. 
Somebody just said a few minutes ago, bittersweet. Love you. I send you. <clears throat> We've talked. Certainly, it's God's calling. Amazing things have happened in the process of the last couple weeks. I have no heart. I know you guys don't either. So, uh, we can rejoice in the Lord has called them elsewhere to do more good work beyond what they've done here. And they've done so much here. Mm -hmm. All of us can. I think. Uh, the great example I've received from them is in all that they've done, it's not to do, but to do for others and to do humbly and quietly. They were always standing aside, pointing to the Lord. Um, thank you for that example, every one of you. Mm -hmm. um, As Gabe and I have talked a little over the last couple of days, the word has been processing. A uh, funny thing was, is we were hunting a couple weeks ago, and my question was, you're processing deer? Uh, uh, he said, no, that's tomorrow, but uh, processing how this goes. And, and even when the Lord does call you to something new that I've found personally, there is a processing, there's a preparation, but when you get that call and you know it's confident, there is a processing, and it's not necessarily one of doubt, fear. It's, okay, what's next? What's next? Whatever it is, Elkingtons, I know it's going to be good. I know you will be faithful. He will be faithful to you, and we all love you very much. Um, one thing... I've always admired about Paul is he knows how to say goodbye. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul, sorry, can't see through. <laughs> spirit and soul and body be preserved complete, without blame at coming, without blame at the coming Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he'll also bring it to pass. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for the servants you've built up here in the Elkingtons. The great example you've given, uh, the light they've reflected that is yours, how they've set themselves aside numerous times 
uh, for your work. And yet again, uh, though many of their uh, previous feelings have been that they don't care or don't want to move on, they are again, yet again, submitting to your will, and we know you will be faithful in that. We are so thankful for the time we've had with them. This is, uh, is a goodbye, but we'll hopefully see them again, and certainly will see them again when we get to come into your presence and your glory. We will be side by side praising you, Father, and thanking you for all that you've blessed us with. So as they go, we ask that you make their path straight, that you make every challenge and obstacle um, be one that um, is known to be that you are with them. And uh, praise you, Lord, for this day, and we thank you for the ability to send them off. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's all stand and together we'll, we'll, we'll bless the Elkintons. Um, and I have a, a gift for you all, but I'm going to give it when you, sorry, you've got to go through this again. So at the first part of the next service, we'll give you this, but um, Gabriel and Kelly and Grace and Joseph and Silas, you guys know you're loved, right? By God forever, but also by all these people. And you'll be missed greatly. But uh, the great C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, said that Christians never say goodbye. It's just see you later, wherever that is. Because we will spend all eternity together. And so let's hold up our hands in blessing. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. And may God's blessing be with you all. Amen. Thank you.